Hi, this is Michael. And this is Lisa. Welcome to the PowerView podcast. Raw talk. For real people. Our volition is to make sense of our world. Join us as we navigate issues to optimize the power of you. Hello, this is Michael. Michael. Hi, this is Lisa. Today we're going to talk about something very delicate, very important, and very scary and sad for many people. Recently in the news, we've had several people in the public profile lose their lives. We've had Dwayne Haskins. There's a lot of mystery around how he went, and we'd like to discuss that, but not just the mystery, but the hurt, and how at such a young age he had so much drama and how he had so much conflict in his life. Chesley Chris. What happened to Chesley Chris? Again, public figure, amazingly talented, as was Dwayne. We lost her too soon, as did we Dwayne. And also the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings may be in danger, and Rondiv, their owner, may know a lot about that. So why is Rondiv maybe in danger too? Self-made people that are catapulted into the public life sometimes attract predators. They attract um, people that can put them into confusion, chaos, and sometimes they lose their lives tragically, either through self-harm, suicide, or murder. Well, you said the word predator, and just hearing that word gives me a little bit of chills down my spine, just hearing predator, because I think the word itself makes people react automatically, whether it's a physical reaction or an emotional reaction. What, does, what is a predator? What does that mean? A predator, predator is somebody that follows you for what they can get. They are usually narcissistic. Don't forget, this is Power of You podcast, which touches on a lot of my books. But a, a predator is usually narcissistic by nature, very little emotions about anybody else other than themselves. And they will go and get what they get. And they go to extraordinary lengths and unbelievable lengths to get what they want. And this is male or female, right? We're not talking about one specific Male or female. In actual fact, there was a very big instance recently where Oprah Winfrey was a victim of a predator. Wow. Somebody that famous almost tagged her and decided that they wanted to manipulate her life in some way. Correct. Well, I think it's scary, too, when you think about predators and how much power they can obtain. I always think, where does the power come from? What's the source of the power? And do they realize how much power they really hold and how they can manipulate people's lives, change people's trajectory of life just because of the fact that they're taking on, really they're you know, taking on their own actions to usually harm people? Well, it begs the question on who do we want to surround ourselves with in life? Oh, do yeah. we want to surround ourselves with kind, caring people? Or are we a codependent that surrounds ourselves with takers? Well, I think that's hard sometimes to realize. I think sometimes you get into a situation where you don't even realize that you might be in a codependent situation. Have you You ever met a predator? I think I probably have. Well, talk to me about it. Tell me. Well, I mean, I see it all the time in different forms of my cases. Personally, no. No. Not, Not for me by any means. But in my criminal practice, we would definitely see defendants that would take on a predatory lifestyle meaning they would pin certain people and then they would go after them for different types of crimes. And most of the time, Michael, I would tell you, they would get away with it. It would take a very specific type of investigation in order for them to really get caught. And by getting caught, I mean arrested or charged with a crime. 
But then I would think about how many other actions and how many other behaviors were involved in that particular person's, you know, normal behavior path. And mm -hmm. how many times did they go uncaught? You know, what, what type of actions did they actually get away with? And how many people did they hurt along the way to get to the place where they wanted to be? Well, I've just mentioned three people's names. Let's Dwayne Haskins, superstar, amazing at his job, very talented, everyone saying lovely guy, couldn't be more of a, a nicer person, shared the love. Very young. And then Chesley Chris, beautiful, intelligent, again, very honorable, thoughtful, and also the vague Rondeeb, self-made, out there. These aren't shrinking violets. These people that made it through certain aspects of life and achieved beyond belief. My question is, why are they vulnerable? Why are these people that shoot to stardom or shoot to wealth or shoot to some kind of public form, why do they, why do they I, you know, take risks? Why are they susceptible to predators? And how can they be hoodwinked too? That's a good one, the hoodwink. I mean, these are young, young people. I mean, Chesley was 30 when she died, Dwayne was 24, and even in, you know, a short time frame, they were able to reach stardom, you know, as the average person looks at their lives, stardom. I mean, Chesley was Miss USA 2019. She was a former Miss North Carolina. She was an attorney. She was an extra entertainment correspondent. I mean, those are three areas right there that people strive, you know. And they're, they're kind of young people. So how come a self-made, almost billionaire in his 60s be susceptible to a predator? Different from someone in you know, a millennial, basically, right? So it right? doesn't matter. I don't know how old Oprah Winfrey is, and, she, and I don't think it's her personal life that was challenged, but in my profiling, I would say that definitely she was manipulated to help somebody that is a predator. And probably didn't deserve her help, right? Does a predator ever deserve help? I would say no, across mm. the board. But also, when you think about a predator... I don't think someone just wakes up one day and decides, hey, I'm going to start manipulating people. It's usually a change in some form of their, in their life that would push them to that area. Or do you disagree? I mean, do you think they just, they're born that way or they just, they've always been of that mindset where they wanted to take advantage of people? I wonder what our listeners would say to that. It's a good I, question, I, right? I, I wonder, I wonder, we, we all live very unique individual lives and we are all susceptible to um, predators. It's very interesting how you say you've never been in your personal life. I don't think and, I have. Well, you've lived a charmed life. You could probably say that, but I also have worked super hard for everything I've ever achieved. But so have these people. Absolutely. And they've been victims of narcissists. So let's talk about Chesley for a minute. Look at her career and her tragic death jumping or falling off of the rooftop of a Manhattan building what do you think about that Michael I'd like to say what I feel about it um, if it were suicide nobody was there for the last moments but if it were suicide my biggest thought is that I hate the thought that somebody in so much pain and so much difficulty dies alone. I, I, I always have this thought, and I've worked with people that have killed themselves in my career, because that's the nature of my work, but I always wish I'd been able to hold their hand for the last few moments, just to bring them comfort or to support them. And anybody that's a survivor of suicide, i.e. the nearest and dearest to um, somebody that's killed themselves, um, that's a big thing to overcome that, that their loved ones was in so much stress and so much tragedy. It's a big thing. It's a big, people say it's, used to say it's a coward's way out to kill you. It's not, it's the most courageous thing you can do to stop the pain that's going on. That's an interesting way to look at it. I've actually never 
heard that perspective about Hurling suicide. yourself off a building is a big thing. What, whichever way you do it, it is a big thing. And we really, firstly, my advice to anyone listening to this that's a survivor of suicide or knows somebody that is, the one thing to healing is to think about hugging the person you've lost. Wow. Just hugging them, hold their hand. I know you can't do it in, in reality, but just just think, gosh, I wish I could have, and this is what I'm sending you. Almost as if it was a message that you were sending to the person before they took their own life. This is what you would have said to them. Just or for your responded. own benefit, not, not a message. You're actually thinking, I, I'm, I couldn't now, but if there's any spirituality, any religious, anything out there that I can get a message is I'm hugging you and holding your hand. It's very comforting. That's a very, very good image. Of course. I mean, you, you can see it. You know, you can view it. You can definitely view it. Well, they, if you read, the, you know, what the media says, obviously we know not all of it is true, but there was a lot of articles that came out after her death stating that she was suffering from chronic depression and had been suffering for years, and her family had no idea. Chronic depression um, statistically is, um, and by the DSM-5, ICD-11, um, chronic depression is a depressive low mood that lasts for three months or more. Um, that's the clinical definition. My question, anybody's question in my field would be, why was she in a low mood for so long? What, what wasn't jiving for her in her life? It's very rare to get a chemical imbalance that creates somebody to be um, depressed, i.e. dysthemic disorder, which is a long-term gray kind of low mood or major depressive episodes. But for somebody to be chronically depressed, i.e. depressed for a number of years, there's something not jiving for them. There's something that they're not doing that nourishes them or is their truth. That's, that, that's the, the nuts and bolts of it. So my question would not be about what caused her to end her life, bless her, in, in so many ways. Right. But, but why was she in such a low mood when she had achieved so much scholastically, which is a lawyer, she had achieved so much in the modeling and media business. What, what wasn't nourishing her? What was the darkness for her? What was that? It's the same we ask of, a, of an alcoholic, somebody abusing drugs or alcohol. The first thing you do on a cycle of change is say to the person, why is this not working for you? Let me, and let me hold on. It's not about the drugs or the alcohol. Why is this not working for you? Why are you having to anesthetize yourself? And if she had major depressive episodes or chronic depression, she's probably taking drugs for that. Oh, we don't know that. I mean, nobody's come out and said that she's on any kind of medication no, for that. I'd be very surprised if somebody in her standing with access to private health wasn't prescribed some kind of antidepressant, SSRI, etc., because that's what happens with most docs. They will treat um, a chronic condition with pharmaceuticals rather than getting to the, the bottom of, well, why, why is she so low? What, what is causing this? Well, you're bringing up a couple interesting points. First of all, I think as a viewer watching her life, you know, as just a regular person, you know, watching her accomplishments and seeing what she's put out there. She comes across as a beautiful, well, you know, well put together individual. She sounds amazing when she was doing her interviews with Extra and interviewing all kinds of celebrities and, you know, musicians and, you know, people of pretty high power in society. Just because she's looking like that on the outside and she's holding it together doesn't always mean, as you know, Michael, that on the inside, she actually believes in herself, believes in what everybody might look at her and view her as. So I think if you break it down, getting up in the morning, you know, putting her outfit on, getting her mic connected for her interviews, putting on her makeup, going through her glam, inside, she might not feel as good as she looks and wants the world to portray. And maybe she's masking a lot of that. I mean, we see that with I mean, I've seen it lots of times with friends and family where, 
you would you find out someone's suffering from any type of a mental health issue, sometimes you're shocked to find out that's the person. You, you never would have picked that person as having any kind of an issue or, or struggling. And from what the media, of course, is putting out there, it doesn't sound like her close friends and family had any idea that she had any type of mental health issue at all. It's proven that people with wealth, good looks, happy relationships, big social circles, any of this stuff does not lead to internal well-being. Sure. And clearly she was in so much pain for whatever reason. That's the question. And she took that reason away with her. Unless someone listening knows her intimately, knows what the crisis was, and feels okay about sharing that, we'll never know. Sure, you never know. She took it with her. And it, it happens. We have dark secrets. All of us have dark secrets. Nobody escapes that. Sure. And what do we do with those? I mean, people come to me. I was, it's interesting. I've had people come to me over the last 30 odd years, and the people that scare me are people that say, say to me that they're there because they've been told to be with me. And of course, I don't work with those people. I tell them to go away and think about it. Right. The people that come to me and say, I really feel like I'm mad or a bad person, they're the people that really want to do the work. And they're, they're the most healthy people even though they're seeing me. Right. Yeah. So, um, they're coming to a th- so, psychologist, so, so really but still, the, so are really, they healthy? So really these people that do this, um, who knows what was going on? And inconsistencies. When I work with people clinically, I look for inconsistencies. And with Dwayne, and my heart goes out to the family, anyone that loved him or... He touched their lives, and it sounds like a lot of people. There are so many inconsistencies with what's been released in the press, what's been released in social media. Um, I. We're talking about, you know, a really famous you know, NFL football player. 24 years of age. It's a big deal. If you run out of gas, the car you're driving could have a button to press. True. And get you AAA that you rode assistance of some kind. Or did you leave and get into your car knowing you didn't have enough gas and didn't care and still got on the highway? I don't know what the reports were, and, and I think that's, I think that would be, I mean, you're a prosecutor, ex-prosecutor yeah. and a family lawyer. I'm asking questions. I, there you go. Yeah, I'm going from the, the personal point of view as to, you know, 24 famous, wealthy, no gas. Do you really walk down the middle of a highway so long that then all of a sudden you collide with a dump truck? And my question has to be, there's reports of somebody drunk in the car, there's reports of this. He seemed to not be stuck. I don't know what the toxicology reports, etc., are. Right. But it's one of two things. What was going on? Well, one of two things. Either the truck hit him or he hit the truck. Right. And again... You're on foot crossing it, 595. That's the first thing. You don't cross 595. <laughs> you just don't do it. That's what I mean. Like, what would make him take a step into an intersection? You know, not an intersection, a highway, 595. And we'll never know. And we'll never know because clearly something was going on and it's this is all supposition because only he knows what happened he could have tripped over a shoelace or he could have caused himself to die so we don't know what got him to that place and we'll never know i agree with you but if we back it up for a minute and you think about his glorified quote-unquote glorified lifestyle again same with you know related to chesley Famous football player, you know, I'm sure he had sponsors, he had, you know, contracts with, you know, very large companies and different places. Why him? Like, what would have been going on in his life at age 24 that could potentially catapult him into such a dark place where potentially he would want to take his own life? In my experience of working with 
you know, rock bands and actors and people in the public life through their titles, etc. I've always found that in the public domain there's this worship or honour or um, wow factor at what their position is in front of their audience. Behind the scenes, they question their abilities, they question their ideas, they have an imposter syndrome, which means they think, well, if these people really knew the real me that sits there and licks the plate after I've eaten my dinner, would they really love me? Because it's a public persona and that's pushed. So really they become codependents. Codependent on their double life, if you will? No, codependent on they live in fear, therefore they need other, somebody else to make them feel like they're worthy. And I think that's what makes them susceptible to narcissists. That's the predators. They're more susceptible to predators because they might seem this big thing, they might seem this famous thing, this untouchable thing, but generally they can be very lonely. And vulnerable, I'm sure. About 20 years ago, um, my um, PA at that time, Lena, she, uh, she said, oh, Michael, um, you know, your next patient is here. And I said, oh, okay. I said, do you know who it is? I said, no idea. And I, I really don't follow popular things. And I didn't know who this person was. Well, right. they'd actually been on the front cover of a, a famous magazine. The whole wedding was on the front, front cover of this uh, ma magazine. Nice. And three days after the wedding, they were in my office. Oh, okay. Because, I have some questions. Because he had been doing cocaine, had had sex with a few people on set. It had come oh, out boy. just before the wedding. Mm. They were in contract with this magazine to go through with the wedding because it cost a million plus. And don't forget, this is 20 years ago too. Oh, geez. And they were with me to try and rescue the relationship or break it up. Oh, my gosh. And they were, it's all fresh on the press. Not what was happening in my room. Sure. But this glamorous, wonderful, romantic world. And she was the most lonely person on the planet. The wife. And yeah. you, were, you were treating both of them? It was like couples I ended up therapy? with both, yeah. It was both her at them. first, and then I brought him in to, to work with them, and they're still together. But, wow. But it was a, and it's not up to me, it's what they wanted. I'm, I'm merely the midwife to somebody's life. I help you rebirth and find your way. But it, you have to want to be delivered in, yeah. you know, in order to make a change. So, it's a good metaphor, but, sure. But we did, but the thing is, that is vulnerability because... They had to put on a face a what, a for kind that of a, whole day. Sure. Imagine and the fakeness on that set. So, so that, just that one example of vulnerability. We're, when we're in public figure, we're exposed. Sure. And we're exposed to being perfect, to looking perfect, to saying the right things, and we're not. So what do we do with that? What I think the field needs to do, and I'd love any psychologist or psychiatrist or researchers to pick up on this, and that is I've worked with tragedies for 30 years in the, the public profile arena. I would like somebody to study and for those in the public arena that are doing really, really well and are balanced, I'd like a study to be conducted as to why some people are grounded, don't get caught up in drama, aren't part of the press circus, and manage their lives really well. We've got a lot to learn from them. When I was involved in the HIV AIDS um, issues in the 80s, the only way they broke the code was to study people that had HIV but didn't get sick. And how they were managing it, right? And that's exactly what we need to do with this. We need to study the people that reach fame and wealth and manage it really well. How are we going to find those people? I've just asked for people to help. Oh, you've go got to, to call go to, for help. Go okay. to mpamind.com and just give me your thoughts. It's easy and I'll pass it on. I think that's a good question because who's going to be the person that's going to dominate themselves? I'm famous and I have all of my stuff put together. Not everybody has all their stuff put together, but some people succeed more than others. So I guess, firstly, somebody that hasn't been part of the press circus, 
Okay. Somebody that hasn't abused drugs and alcohol. Okay. And somebody that's brought up their children successfully. Okay, you've said just su- a, just a start. You've said success many times, and mm. I know we did a previous episode on what success actually is and what wealth means. But you're, let's just focus on the children part for a minute. Someone that has raised their children successfully. Tell me what you mean by that. That they too did not enter the public circus with the press. They too um, managed to be educated at least to school leaving age um, and, and did well. I mean, well being. Bringing up children, as I've put in my parenting book, is about. Just a little bit of information in that book. Well, absolutely. And it's about. I'm laughing, but it's true. The three things which are not negotiable bringing up children is education, health, and well being. So I'm not looking for superstar rock stars to, to answer this, but if we could just get 10 people that seem to have managed really well their career in public profile, that would be wonderful. I think it's a great experiment. Yeah. I want to see who the people are and I want to take apart their life and see what's going on. I'd like them to contribute maybe just the top three things they can attribute to their success in the peace of life, the success of life. The success of life is to be peaceful. And none of us are peaceful 100%. No. We all have our foibles. Of course. And I think also when you're saying managed life, you're talking about different aspects of life. You're, you're asking for someone on a global perspective. When you look at all the different aspects of what life means that they've been able to manage, right? Every year. Am I right, though? I, I, believe, I believe you are barking up the right tree. Oh, you think? Okay. <laughs> I believe we should all, every, every New Year's Eve and every eve of my birthday, which my birthday's in July, so it's in the middle of the year. Coming up, so hint, twi- hint. So twice a year, I sit just quietly and I think of the past year, what have I done well in and I can be proud of or feel I did my best in, the three top things. And I really am my own hardest critic, so that's a a big job. And then on the back end of those three things, I think of what are the top three things I could have done better? And notice I'm not saying I failed at. I'm saying that I could have been better. Sure. And I think if we asked the really stable public profile people that haven't had a predator successfully enter their life, they have managed the press very well. They've managed their family very well. And we ask them those same questions. So what are the top three things you can be very proud of? And what three things could you have done better? I think that would give us an awful lot of information. I would agree. It would it's, help a lot of people. It's, it would help me. I'll take it. I'll take on all, all kinds of advice. Absolutely. I, when you think about that, though... What three things have I accomplished well in this whole year, if Mm -hmm. you're looking back? And then what three areas do I need to work on? Like you said, not fail, but do Mm -hmm. I need to work on? I also think, Michael, that takes a lot of personal thinking. That takes a lot of self-growth. And it also takes a certain mindset for an individual to sit down and say, how have I analyzed the last 365 days? Everyone's able to do it. I'm not saying people can't. We just have to make the time. It's a commitment, exactly. Absolutely. There you go. It's a commitment. So going back to Dwayne, going back to Chesley, going back to the Sacramento Kings, going back to Oprah Winfrey, and it wasn't her personal life that was endangered. It was actually an interview she did. Going back to these different people that have had predators and manipulation, etc. going on. Um, As a prosecutor, a a previous public prosecutor, and as now a family lawyer of 10 years, what's your take on this? I mean, I've talked a lot about the, and we've discussed things. The emotional side, right? but But if you really took 
this and put your prosecutor's hat on with Dwayne and Chesley and, you know, a, a whole team being endangered. Right. What, what, what would be your first questions to work out what the heck's going on? Because, unfortunately, the press isn't always clear. No. <laughs> um, uh, social media is very subjective oh, and boy. ultimately not clear. Sure. So what would be your take on that? If we had to put both your hats on, the family lawyer right. and the public prosecutor, what would your take on it be? Well, let's first start with Dwayne. Um, different, I think, perspective than what we're t- talking about with Chesley. So when we, we think about Dwayne, my first question that pops into my mind is, let's look at the history. Let's start with the first week. Um, well, really, the last week of his life. What was he doing that day? Who was he with? And then the night before, what was he doing the night before? We're just putting you know, him at a specific location. Obviously, we're going to get some information regarding the location. The media, as you said, is not always credible. We know that. Placed him playing at FAU on the Boca campus the night before he passed. So who was he with then? I'm sure those people would be able to provide some kind of information if they were willing to come forward as to his general mood. You know, what was he into that day? Did he have any issues that he was dealing with, whether personal issues or maybe professional issues related to, um, you know, just being an NFL football player, you know, was he in any, was he having any issues that day, you know, maybe with an argument with the coach or with, you know, his PR management team, any of that, right? Then we want to back it up to his family life. You know, what was going on with his family? If I take away the prosecutor hat for a minute, put on the family lawyer hat, what was his family life like? Was he in a good place with his wife? I don't think he had any children. I don't think. But his relationship, what was going on with the relationship? Where did he normally live? You know, he's obviously playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was in South Florida when he died. You know, how was that transition? What was going on with his wife, knowing that he obviously traveled a lot? He had a, you know, pretty fluid life, I would say, you know, moving around to different places for professional, you know, for his career and for different, I'm sure, contracts and opportunities that he had. How was that relationship? Was there any issues with the wife? Was, were they in a good place? Were they in a bad place? You know, what was going on with the actual dynamic I, I read, of their relationship? I read that there was some history of domestic violence, I think from the wife towards Dwayne. As he was the victim. Yeah, um, I, and I, I would have to double check that, but I believe that's what was stated. Um, and it's, I, I'm, as you know, that I'm, I'm, my first country is not... Um, America, my first country is Ireland and England, that's where I was brought up. So my question really to you is, what does it mean? It, it's, it's very lovely, but um, his wife said, we'll miss your rainbow smile. Is that some kind of a saying here in America? Or I mean, I think it's fair to say when anybody is making a connotation about a rainbow that they're talking about someone's sexuality. Really? Most of the time, yeah. I think that's how most people so would So it's not a happy rainbow it. kind of smile? or I, I think if someone was making a public statement and they were talking about that he was a happy person or that you know he was a joy in someone's life, they wouldn't say rainbow. They would say happy or joy or you know a good spirit, something like that. The fact that he, she chose rainbow to make a public statement, I don't think it's just about so in my practice, happiness. So in my practice, I would say to his wife and bless you you've lost your husband but I would say to his wife so what do you mean by rainbow what's that mean to you why why are you using that as a description sure for his smile we won't know we won't know what happened um it's a tragic loss going over to Chesley and your thoughts as a public prosecutor and family lawyer um we don't know if it's suicide nope uh, we don't know the toxicology report, do we? I, I, I don't think anybody has no, made I, any comments publicly about that. But you're right. I mean, falling off of a... And the reason I say toxicology report is because was she loaded? Was she on drugs? Right. You know, was she having a psychotic episode, which happens with too much alcohol and drugs? Or was she on Zolpidem? Because people can do strange things and just on a sleeping pill. Oh. Um, that, that's my first question is, well... well what was what in her was system? In the system? Yeah. yeah, like yeah. what was going on in her system? Yeah. Well, I mean, any initial investigation from a criminal perspective would require a toxicology report. I so think that is, would be step don't one. Don't the press usually release that? I don't know. 
Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think they Maybe. do. I think they do. I don't know personally, but wouldn't you think if they didn't want to get it out there that somebody would pay to keep those results out of the public eye? I'm not sure they can. You're a public def- uh, prosecutor. Would, would, can you keep that out of the press? Well, it depends if there's an investigation pending or not. See, the reason I say that is we lose people, and that's what we're talking about. We lose yeah, people in good people. public figure. We lose people... Um, who have ma- self-made? Sure. We lose people, or people are challenged. Uh, yeah, we can. Yeah, I've <laughs> there are many people that can be put in a difficult situation where they need to try and survive it. Absolutely. And that's our discussion. So my my statement is this: If anybody were to have the truth about Dwayne or Chesley or anyone else in danger or that's taken their lives or has been killed or accidentally died through a chaotic situation, whatever it is, you would help the world by stating what you know because at the moment all we're doing every week, every year, is losing thousands upon thousands, millions of people that could be alive and happy. And we can't change things unless we know the truth. And that's what this show is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. We're talking the truth that's not discussed elsewhere. Right, I agree. You know, we've got these two minds, Lisa and Michael, and we're trying to figure it out. It's a puzzle, right? All the time. We're trying to, you know, put the puzzle pieces in. It's a puzzle that's important because we're losing people. Right. And and even though it's a tragic situation to lose, especially someone you know, as amazing as a football player or a former USA, any attorney, in my opinion, you know, I mean, Chesley did a lot of things, but to learn from that and to be able to understand what maybe triggers for that type of individual and that type of lifestyle and how you can help somebody that might be suffering, Michael, but be too afraid to admit that they're suffering. And don't forget the predators use the court system. Predators use the press Predators use very powerful people to get what they want, and they know their way in. Of course. It can either be their looks, their fear-mongering amongst the codependents, them outing a codependent, them threatening a codependent. It's, it needs to stop. But I think stopping all of this negative, negative issues, I'm just going to lump it into that category, It's also going to come from a place where people are willing to, A, recognize that there's a problem, which we're recognizing it right now and bringing it out to the public eye. But then other people have to recognize that as well and be willing to come forward, whether it's a personal problem that they're going through or maybe it's looking at someone else and saying, you may be troubled in some way and ask, you know, lending, you know, a friendly hand or just an ear, you know, for someone to talk to if they're, you know, having a troubled moment. You know, it could be a troubled moment. It could be a troubled week. It could be a life, a However, whole life. people that are successful through their own means and um, projected into this massive wealth very quickly in life believe they don't need help. Oh. Also, people in, like, a rock band or an actor or somebody that's a CEO, I've had many of them come through my books. However, they don't have the lifestyle that they can come to an office two, three times a week. They don't have the lifestyle to an intensive piece of work. And they're continually put into danger. All the time, right? Hotel rooms. I was a consultant for years. Hotel rooms are awful places to be for weeks on end without Mm. family, friends around. I hate it. I love traveling for pleasure. I hate traveling for work yeah. because it's, it's lonely. It's a lot. It really... yeah. However, I started to work with the famous people because I helped somebody and they then put my name around as a very effective person to work with. I was, I was very fortunate that a way. Good referral, right? It was a good referral, but I did a good deed for them. And I'm not going into, into details because of confidentiality. Sure. But... With all the people you can imagine who are on TV, in film, in bands, pop stars, you name it, how many of those have management that are reaching out saying, 
we have to think about this person's mental health. They've been in seven countries in four days. Right. They're living in hotel rooms. Their family's not around. They've just broken up with somebody. I've started to see them using more and more cocaine on set. Yeah. I've started to see them drinking more. No one. And guess what? It's all hidden and it's swept under the carpet. Nobody sees it. Nobody well, sees well, it. Is it supposed to be seen? That's my question. It would help the general population. I, did, I was interviewed last year for a magazine about airbrushing models and, and it's stopping. That's, that's when the um, models were stopped being airbrushed on magazines, etc. Right, right. Because it's given the youth of today a wrong impression of how oh, they should yeah. look. Don't even it's, get me started on that. That's but, a whole other episode. But it's the, same with, it's the same with people in public profile. They have this persona to be either perfect or abhorrent, either I, a rebel or a princess, a prince or an absolute cow. And, and there's nothing in between. So I think really we need to get, and the reality shows are just abhorrent and gross because it's just really people acting and, you know, and having their bit of fame. What could happen is the reality, and it's starting to happen, I, I think the British royal family not being a big fan just because you know I'm partly British but also because I really admire the way they've managed a lot of their their issues through their decades and decades and centuries of, of work. okay they haven't always been wonderful but more recently they have advocated for mental health Princess Diana started that in the family she's a big advocate for mental health and she was a big advocate for HIV and AIDS which I'll always be thankful because we're having a terrible time with HIV and AIDS at that point, and she helped lift the kudos. She helped really say it's okay. That. Yeah. So we do have families being real and getting more and more real, which is great. Correct. And, and just you know, it's, but we need the the youth of today is the adults and leaders of tomorrow, and I don't think they're really getting a a truth with TikTok, with Facebook, with Instagram with the press, with the rock stars, with, with the words that are being said just in some of the songs. And that's not me being old-fashioned. Anything that's derogatory towards men, women, or, or another human being should not be recorded and put out there. Well, the, the filters, too. You know, when you just see people making, sending pictures and posting photos with these ridiculous filters that, you know, change the whole look of their face or what their body looks like. So I should take my paper bag off next time. Yeah, take off your paper bag, mm. all of that. But I no, hate I my mean, photograph being taken. You look good in photos, though. But no, I, I agree with you. I, I think a lot of it is the, the public's perception of what's real. You know, this is a podcast about real talk with real people. So what's our take from this today? What, 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 what do we hope that the listener is going to go away with? I would want anyone listening to this particular episode to look at the lives of Dwayne Haskins and Chesley Christ and understand that we need more information so that we don't continue to lose these kinds of people in our society. And what steps can we take as individuals to try to help people that may or may not be struggling, but to be there for them, to support them? I'm sure someone has a friend or family right now, family member that they can think of that would need some help. What do you think, Michael? Well, I have an inside view to the world at times, and I do know there are many people that are in danger, and because of my confidentiality, I can't share that. Um, and I, I, I'm working with the parties that come to me and I can work with, but I, I know of a lot of really terrible villains out there that use the justice system, that use the press, that use people's fear or insecurity or even lust to get what they want. And it's happening now as we talk. That, you know, in my book, Learning How to Leave, it's the Black Widow chapter is a real, 
real account of a case I worked on for four years. It's a long time. Four years. And guess what? So far, the villain, she's got away with it. Yeah. She's almost killed four people. That's scary. a scary. It's scary. I mean, I think one person is too much. Really, you know, when, when you break it down. But we're sending a message out there that says, how are these people disappearing? Wh what is happening to them? How are, what is triggering them to get to these places where they're no longer with us? Well, what's happening in, in our society that's enabling narcissists, predators, violent people, crooks, take advantage of people that have really worked hard to get where they are and are vulnerable. I also think they're easy targets sometimes. Michael. Easy targets. Why is that? Because they appear to have it all. When we look at Dwayne Haskins and we look at Chesley Christ, I also think, Michael, it's important to think about the people that are hired on to be their entourage, if you will. Absolutely. That are just their yes people. Yeah. You know, they're there just to say yes and put them in a place, get them what they want. They're not really there to support them and help them. They're literally just there to be their yes person. Yeah. And they can often send them into very dangerous places. Most of the time, I would imagine, with the intent to get them there. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But they have, you know, they're there because they have their own alternative, you know, their own um, ultimatum as far as what they want. Well, a recent example of that is I, um, I flew to London a few weeks ago, actually, and um, I was there on business and also because somebody very dear to me is very sick at the moment. And um, one of my friends who's a self-made, very, very wealthy person, um, made a fortune by accident with a piece of software um, in many ways and has since then built his fortune a little bit more. Um, had no one to go out on his birthday with him. Aww. And I was in London, and uh, my husband and I said, well, um, well, let's change our plans around. And one of, those, one of those things was to actually take care of the friend. But we, we juggled things around and said, oh, you know. So we made the evening clear. And his private office is full of yes people. Oh, they, they, you know, it's just yeah. like, yes. And he has friends, he has people that go all the way back, but he, he surrounds himself with a lot of yes people and they don't look out for his well-being. And at 2.30 in the afternoon, I got a message saying, oh, um, have to change plans this evening. I'm going to be engaged all evening. And he got pissed at lunchtime and he got oh. pissed with one of his private family off office people and ended up probably doing something not great but however when you say pissed what do you mean oh as in drunk oh okay yeah. i just so, want to be clear so, with so, your so what i'm saying to you is that your that, language Michael. well 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 being surrounded by yes people creates opportunities sometimes so really people that make their money very quickly or get into important and privileged positions Sometimes they don't discern between true people that will juggle things and make a change. I didn't, didn't, didn't even talk to him about it. He doesn't know about this. But um, they can't discern between a real caring, thoughtful thing and something that's fake or last minute or a user. And I think that's the thing. That there's, it's very difficult to discern between a user and somebody that's being very genuine. And we're still friends. But, sure, but, but I also think that applies. In but, but I know that there's a lot of people out there being yes people and influencing him to do the shallow, meaningless things. He's got a few good people in his company, but right. in general, no. They're all people that live off him. Sure, and I'm sure they're on his payroll, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, he's supporting their lifestyle. But, I mean, that, that can also be addressed on you know a normal level with just regular people you know surrounding it, yourself it around. can be but what i didn't do what's that i didn't i wasn't honest with him so i didn't say to him in actual oh. fact this person's really sick and we put up we changed our plans to be with you because 
we care. So I, so I really also wasn't honest with him because I think he needs to work some stuff out. Do so, you think it would have mattered, though, in that situation? Well, if you've got everything in the world right. at your feet and you are on your own until the last minute on your birthday, that's saying volumes, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's probably what ended up happening, isn't it? None of those people were with him at the end of the day when exactly. he would have been with you. Exactly. So point made right there. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Well, we hope you guys have learned something from this episode and you've been able to hear a little bit about our perspective between Michael and I on this really significant issue related to predators. And we'll be talking more. And not just predators, but codependents, people that are vulnerable to the predators. That's the most important thing. We've studied predators all the way through psychiatry, psychology, psychotherapy. It is the people that are vulnerable of today. That's what we need to do. And let's, let's think about doing some research on the people that navigate successfully, whatever that means for them individually, but people that navigate public profile successfully. What do they have? What do they do that keeps them safe? Or are they just lucky that they don't have a predator standing on their doorstep? Or have they got the personality type to say, sling your hook, get out of here? Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. So that, that would be a very important piece of research. And who would volunteer for it? Because as you say, who's going to say, well, I've navigated quite successfully. Nominate me. It, it, may, be, it may be a board or a research team that say well in actual fact we find these 20 people seem to have navigated right. quite successfully let's interview them and these 20 people seem to have really made a balls up of things let's interview them and let's compare and see what's really going on because the 20 that seem successful may not really just, be <laughs> they might have just managed the press really well we don't there know there you go yeah thank you lisa it's always good to talk to you you as well Thanks for listening to today's episode. Raw Talk, Real People. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find current and archive episodes at our website, powerofyoupodcast.com. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes.